Well, hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a lovely Tuesday morning to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. One, my father is going to be very proud of. I sat down with Keith Levine, one of the original founders of The Clash and Public Image Limited, Pill, as he refers to it throughout the episode, to talk about a bunch of things. The beginning of the punk rock scene, what life was like in England at the time, how there are some parallels to what's going on in 2020, uh, how Bitcoin is a point of optimism. Uh, we talked shit on Bono at one point. Incredible episode. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at, I was going to say, at Tales from the Crypt. We are your good friends at Tales from the Crypt. It's brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash App. The Cash App. Have you heard about the Cash App yet? Huh? The Cash App. They help you stack sets, send sets. Receive sats and sell sats if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 sats. Wait, or should we be saying bits, 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 bits? We're stacking bits. We're bitching bits. No, we're stacking sats. Sats are the standard. For you freaks that don't know, there's 100 million sats per Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is divided up into 100 million sats. 100 million units known as satoshis or sats. If you have 100 million sats, you have one Bitcoin. Okay, and... Cash App is allowing you to make sats a standard. Uh, you can stack sats there, and you can set it and forget it. Forget it. You can set it and forget it. You can DCA in the sats either daily, weekly, biweekly. Set it and forget it. Uh, I've seen some teasers. Some things may be on the horizon. Sats associated as well. On top of that, you can stack slivers of stonks if you want. They have Cash App investing if you're into the stock market. Stacks livers of stonks as little as one dollar, uh, because all this is connected to your bank account. There's no four to five day waiting period, so you can start stacking today. Uh, Cash App may even be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers to individuals who want to get their paychecks direct deposited into the app and cut out all the traditional banks, the evil banks, uh, and just go with the new bank of the future, Cash App. They have their boost program as well, where they have partner merchants. You hit your boost, you go shop at that merchant, and you save some some money you get some money back and you stack some sats with that so if you haven't already downloaded the app what are you waiting for go do it and when you do do it make sure you use the code stacking sats it's s-t-a-c-k-i-n-g-s-a-t-s you're going to get ten dollars and ten dollars is going to go to our good friends at owls lacrosse that's owls lacrosse Enjoy this episode with Keith. I know I certainly did. Hope you like it, Dad. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here. Friday afternoon. High noon. Ten minutes afternoon, where I am. My guest is... Uh, uh, a few hours ahead of me. Where are you, sir? You in London? I'm. I'm in. I'm in Norfolk. I'm in England. Okay. You're in Norfolk. In Norfolk, where the yeah. I'm in Norfolk. Saying you're, 
Your background's different than the first time we spoke. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in my little cottage with my missus here. Instead of being in the freezing cold studio, which I haven't been there too much anyway, as you know, just recently, because I've had other stuff going on. But um, yeah, so I'm here. Yeah, and you are Keith Levine. I am. Yep, I am. Punk rock legend uh, and a Bitcoin enthusiast that is I, I, somebody I, who gets it. Hardcore Bitcoin enthusiast, I think we got past the enthusiast stage you know yeah you're uh, running nodes yeah. you're on sphinx chat you're in the tribe yeah i'm in the tribe I, it's difficult to tell you're in the tribe on, on sphinx at the moment um i think that's a good thing you know how it's just, it's just uh like an, uh, an amorphous blob of freaks that pop in and out and yeah uh, you know i, I love like that thing um, not that I, um, I, I've listened to a rabbit hole recap on there and maybe one other show, um, but to know when you're doing the show, be able to jump on there in real time and you're talking about something like bang, 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 boost, boost, boost. You know, I love that. And, and then you go into seconds and say, hey, I'm upping this. I'm upping the sats and then you're boosting more, you know. Um, and, and yeah, I know you've said this before, you know, but you being able to go through the timeline and say, hey, look, man, when we were talking about this, they went crazy. The fact right. you can do that. Let's, uh, all right, let's jump into this. We're going to come back to Sphinx because it really ties into your story and okay. the history of the industry that you, you helped start and uh, particularly the genre you helped started and how it got co-opted uh, and get into royalties and all that stuff. Uh, I must say, I, I told you this when we first spoke earlier this summer, uh, my dad, his favorite band is The Clash and he is extremely jealous that I'm having conversations with you. He uh, he sends his best and would like to meet in person one day if we can make that happen. We're ever allowed to travel again, and he uh, is, he's probably going to be the first person to listen to this episode because uh, he's so, infinitely curious to learn about your history, in particular what the vibe was like in England when you guys were running around. Uh, fighting against the system and our first conversation this summer you alluded to the fact that it got co-opted pretty quickly so I th i'm just really yeah. excited to hear the story from your perspective yeah and uh, you want me to unpack that a little bit dive into that maybe um yeah uh you had the 70s in england okay the best tech we had maybe was a third tv channel and color tv apart from that we were using telephones, we didn't have mobiles, there was no internet. I knew an internet was coming. Um, so there wasn't much going on. Nonetheless, we all managed to end up in the right place at the right time with the right people. We, there's this whole scene going on that just can't bear what we're hearing on the news, can't bear grown-ups. So there's no work, there's never going to be work. There's three-day weeks, there's like power cuts. So. Did, Why did, was this? What was going on? Did you know about this? Uh, no. In the 70s, it's well known that, that, that there were all these issues going on and uh, it amounted to like miners, coal mine strikes or something, something really archaic. And uh, it was amounting to certain areas would have their power cut for like uh, 12 hours and then another area, you, you know, and, and so it, it amounted to people were only allowed to work three days a week. Sound familiar? Yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah, interesting. Uh, just another way of doing it. And uh, this is while this awful Margaret Thatcher and people like her, and your Ronald Reagan were, were getting all this, 
we're, we're kind of dealing with the transition of this archaic uh, fossil fuel to um, just, just newer ways of doing things. But there was so much going on. But what it amounted to, to us as kids, because we weren't overeducated. I mean, my birthday present to myself when I was 15, the day I was 15 was I, I left school, you know. Um, it may be in a different story if I was at school in America, because I, I spent a lot, a lot of time in America and it was coming from a different place then, you know, late seventies through the eighties. Um, but anyway, uh, we were just pissed off with everything and anything. And really the only freedom, the, the only way to navigate around the system at the time was to be in a band probably, you know? Um, and then there was that leftover thing everyone wanted to be a lead guitarist everyone wanted to everyone wanted to be a pop star but um you, you could there was a lot more traction music was more uh center stage at the time a hell of a lot more center stage and it kind of meant something to be well it certainly meant something to be john lennon okay uh, i don't know how much it meant to be uh, elton john or something like that but these these people were around there were, there were so many people around um anyway uh, the only the only game in town was uh, a show in England called Top of the Pops, you know. So if you made a record, you were hoping your single got on Top of the Pops, and that meant you were on telly, and that meant everybody got to see you at a specific time. So when you went to school the next day, it's like, did you see it? You either saw it or you didn't. It wasn't like these times, yeah. Uh, but what it amounted to, a really good way of putting it, put it in. Uh, you know, context freaks will understand is like the record companies were like the central banks okay? okay and they were fucking all the artists and it came to this weird time where you know the artists were just saying well, fuck you we're going to do what we like we don't have to be good looking we don't even have to be talented and we we've got nothing to lose so um you know this whole punk rock thing this whole it was like taking a hand grenade and just throwing it into the uh the center of prog rock and don't get me wrong I, I was a big prog rock fan i used to work i was a roadie for yes i kind of i was like a little 15 year old roadie for the band yes and that is what led into me i didn't even occur to me at the time that i wanted to be in a band i knew everyone wanted to be in a band and it was cool to be in a band but it didn't occur to me i should do that anyway after yes um Actually, Rick Waitman kicked me out of a show. I, I, I went to one more show, Journey to the Center of the Earth, which was one of his shows. And he said, Keith, like, just fuck off. Stop playing with my synths. Stop changing the settings. Go and form your own band. And I went, I will. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd seen Rick about 32 nights running anyway. I didn't need to see him again, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he's a lovely guy. He said it in the nicest possible way. Um, and that's when I thought, yeah, I'm getting a Gibson and I'm, I'm going to get real guitar and get really serious with this. And, and, and I did. And uh, it, it led to, um, and it happened at the same time, a lot of people were kind of making this transition from glam rock to, uh, to punk rock. And uh, the barrier of entry was just non-existent. It's either you either showed up or you didn't. And if you showed up, you had a lot more of a shot. And somehow we were making this happen because we had our own little scene and we just didn't let anyone tell us what to do. Um, there, there was a band out already, uh, which I know you know, uh, called the Sex Pistols. And they were the only game in town really when it came to just pure 
what we were looking for, which wasn't too complicated. It was just the right feeling. You know, if you walked into a Sex Pistols gig and they started playing, it just felt, you just felt like I'm so exactly where I'm meant to be. You know, um, anyway, one thing led to another and um, the guys that were running the Sex Pistols, a guy called Malcolm McLaren, another guy called Bernard Rhodes kind of had a little um, parting of the ways and Bernard wanted his own thing and he had a guy called Mick Jones from this kind of um, band called the London SS, kind of hippie glam band. They, they just really wanted to be in the band. He met me and um, when I say he, Mick Jones met me and said, I want you to meet this guy Bernard. You know, I didn't know who Bernard was and he kind of turned into my Uncle Bernie. I still talk to him, you know, and mm -hmm. he, he was the guy that kind of ran the clash and, you know, um, we were very, very serious. Um, when it came to the clash, okay, I'm not slagging them off at all or anything, but it turned out that if I'd stayed in the clash, I just would have made it, I would have been miserable and I would have made it miserable for them. And I would have been, it's like being a maximalist with no coiners, mm -hmm. with no, no coiners that are never going to get it because they don't need it. They don't even understand they might need it. What was the uh, what was the particular contention here? Uh, uh, essentially, look, the, these weren't rules, but this is where I was coming from. This is where a lot of people were coming from. You know, if you're gonna do this thing, be real, write about what you know, don't pose, just be real. Yeah. And what I was seeing were a load of really tense guys that were kind of posing and doing this kind of combat stance and everything. And I was seeing a lot of people really love this and uh, they looked good. They were an alternative to the pistols and see how I'm saying they were, I was even in the band, but I saw them as they, okay. Um, great guys, Paul Simonon, Joe Strong, a beautiful man, you know, Mick Jones, um, whatever, we'll leave that there. Um, various drummers. Okay. Um, but essentially what it amounts to was they just weren't my thing. They weren't good enough. They, they were, they were stellar. They weren't even Ethereum. You know what I mean? I mm -hmm. used to explain uh, when I used to explain crypto to people, I used to, you know, dreamers, I'd say, think of the Beatles and the Stones, and that's Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then there's other <laughs> things, like the Kings and the Zombies. And there's going to be some other bands out there that are good and will make it and, and will have a reason to be there. And that's how I try and explain some of the other coins that, or tokens I had interest in at the time that turned out to be absolute shit coins. Um, so with Pill, it was a complete transition. Um, I, I was at my last Clash gig and it, it was a gig of the Pistols and the Clash somewhere, you know, we were kind of doing a test gig. Um, I can't remember where, somewhere in the countryside, not in London. Yeah. And, uh, you know, John Lydon or Johnny Rotten was there and he was sitting on his own because we all knew each other. He hated his band. I hated my band. My band hated me. And John's sitting on his own looking very John-like and looking very punk. And uh, I went up to him and I said, look, he was like, how's it going then? And I said, well, I'm out. I'm definitely out. I know I'm doing the roundhouse and then I'm gone. And he was like, good. And I said, what about you? And he was like, oh, fucking hate me. And I said, look, I know this will never happen, but should the pistols uh, split up or something, we should work together. We should do something together. You know, because we did have a good thing. We always had a good thing. You know, ever, ever since I knew him just a little bit before the clash, and uh, yeah, um, he was an amazing, buzz, cool guy to know. Then you know, he was just great to be around. And uh, 
I said, whatever happens, we should do something together. And it wasn't six months. The pistols were no more. They, they just mm-hmm. evaporated, you know. Um, yeah. What, what was the impetus for that evaporation, particularly, do you think? Uh, Malcolm having no idea how America worked and wanting to make too big a splash too quickly. It would have been like Satoshi allowing... Um, uh, Julian Assange to adopt Bitcoin the first time around when he was sort of saying, I think we should wait just a little bit. He kicked though, the hornet's nest? Yeah, that kind of thing. It's just like, you know, this baby is just a little bit too weak right now. And I think what Malcolm was doing was um, pushing this punk narrative too far. He didn't understand America, man. And uh, it, it was getting really heavy. I, I can't believe they survived that tour. Well, they survived the tour with their lives just. Um, what? what was... What did you have to understand, or what should he have understood about America? The, the difference between the South and New York. Uh, <laughs> j- just Americans in general, that not everybody was an art student. <laughs> you know, uh, people in America have got a completely different outlook because of the Constitution. It's kind of, um, it's not like England. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. We speak the same language, but Americans and English people are two completely different animals. And he didn't understand that. He didn't understand how that worked with people, with the police force, with the government, uh, with the way all the all the gigs out there. You, you had to ask permission to, to play shows. You know, if it wasn't okay with a certain guy, I've got a question for you on this. That's more general. But if it wasn't okay with a certain guy, you didn't get the gig. Yeah, or you had to do a payoff just to play somewhere. You know. Um, he didn't pay off the right people. He pissed people off. And everyone was banning. I mean, it was fantastically disruptive. It, it was fantastic. Uh, but it didn't do anybody any favors. You know, all, all you got is a legendary tour that destroyed the band. You know, so, uh, yeah, that was the conflict in, in America. And it's crazy to think, for me particularly, as somebody who's not even 30 yet, just trying to put myself in the shoes of uh, a musician in the eighties, trying to tap into America. It was all through radio right at that point, right? Like that was the best way to get into the the American psyche was via the radio. And then from there, you got to focus on a tour. And getting into, um, I mean, the American radio scene was way better then. Um, yeah, than any, anything that was going on in England. In England, we had one of everything and maybe one underground something or another. Lots of things had been banned, like Radio Caroline had been sunk. It was a, a ship that used to broadcast, and Radio mm-hmm. London was over, and it was Radio One, and then you know it was all the BBC and very proper and not bad, but nothing like now. <laughs> you know, now this is what we were looking for. We were looking for now where. You could podcast or jump on a platform and say something and, and say what you think. Um, or how uh, this leads into Pill, you know, the jump was we're not a band, we're a company. So it was like, if we want to look a certain way, we're going to look a certain way. If we want our, our music to sound a certain way, I don't need you to get a guy in and tell us how to sound. We know how we want to sound, you know, and we wouldn't cut off our noses despite our face that if there was somebody around that could make us better or, or could save us work so we could concentrate more on creativity it wasn't like we, we wouldn't take them it's just that you know you were dealing with guys in 
like little white coats still. You know, it was all very, very shirt and tie. It was just coming out of that. You know, um, yeah, just completely, completely different times. So um, we weren't disrupting that from an educated point of view. We were just doing it on autopilot. Just from pure feeling and gut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Reaction. Yeah, yeah. I, I, all the stuff that I know about now, I've taught myself since I was, you know, since a hell of a lot more recently than I remember being at school, put it that way, yeah. 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 Um, if you could rewind the tape and do it again, would you leave school, start a few punk rock bands? Given the situation, given the situation being the same, um, I love what happened. Mm -hmm. um, I, maybe I could be putting more sacks from Clash royalties, which I don't get, because they kind of um, they kind of try to erase my existence which I understood at the time. It was kind of weird the way that all went down, but it's all a long time ago. Um, yeah, no, essentially I, I, I do it the same way. I can't see any other way of doing it. Yeah. You know, um, we were just working with what we had. And yeah, so the only way to circumnavigate everything, just like all the shit we're dealing with now, I mean, nothing changed. That's what's, that's why I love Bitcoin because um, that's what we were lacking. You know, pill was a token P I L. It was like, it looked like a pill. It was a little round token. We didn't have the tech and we certainly didn't have the education. Um, we knew the economy was fucked, but we didn't know the ins and outs of it. I mean, I can talk about it now with education, um, you know, self-education, but nonetheless, because of the Bitcoin rabbit hole, you know, one thing leads to another and you know where it goes from there. You know, if it isn't tech, it's history. If it isn't history, it's macroeconomics. And if it isn't macro, it's, uh, it's going to be something else. It's, really interesting it just never ends so what was fucked with the economics of being a musician back then nobody had any money and uh the greatest thing about being a musician then was that you could get an advance and get on with what you were doing but if you looked at the deal you got you got this fantastic advance from let's just say a company which you had to pay back to the same company while um and, and, and to create, to, the proof of work was done through that company's studios and through that company's artwork and that company's record company and that company's publishing company. So, you know, they were doing pretty good. The value prop for us was getting 200K in one go and saying, wow, we can do this, we can do this, we can do that. You know, we can map out, uh, let's go and tour America. Yeah, or let's go and do eight gigs in America. Um, and, and try and live for it rather than doing 30 dates in 30 nights. So from my point of view, I, I, I was trying to um, enhance or expand the situation, not necessarily change it, just create more options in terms of um, if um, this happened in the clash, you know, we'd be looking at timeout because there was no, nothing online. I was, you've heard of timeout, I'm sure, a magazine that was around that told you everything that was on. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were looking at the back of time out and we're looking at all the gigs that were on in London. And I said, look at this Bernard. I'd hate to be in this band, the Stranglers. So every night they're on it, they're doing a gig and every night they're number six. And like, uh, he was like, no, no, we want to be like, you look in time out and it's like, oh, wow, look, the Clash are playing. You know, you want to play every now and then. So people are like, fuck, I'm going there. You know, that happened then. 
and that never left me. And with Pill, it, you know, we're not a band, we're a company and we decide what we're going to do. We could do video events, we can do live events, but whatever we do, it will never be the same twice. It, will, it was kind of a rule. The rule was no rules. There's no set list. You never know what's going to happen. We might um, make something up on the spot, quite seriously, not, not, you know, not in a derogatory way, like how oh, we're so great, we could do what we like, but you know, um, we were very conscientious, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just trying to expand uh, the, the situation and, and make it that you got what you did. So the more you did, the, the more it was about you and your situation uh, in comparison to now, everyone has the brand and has maybe a, a pod to go with it or their central website where they can do their uh, what's it called when you sell t-shirts and what have you yeah. merch merch that's it. you know so it's still the same thing I mean I could be doing 30 dates and 30 nights and selling my merch at the merch stall at the front of the house you know but you know we I was looking for an expansion on that we made our own merch you know which was quite rare then you were normally told what to do no your logo is like this and you will do this and this here we've done <clears throat> here we've done the album artwork for you it's like no, you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. Just the fact that you did it means we don't want it. You know. Yes. And so yeah, we were kids as well. Yeah, it was all about fuck you. There was there was an element of fuck you, but it wasn't a rule. It's like if somebody came up with a good idea, that was really helpful. You know. So. So you tried to create scarcity. Uh, yeah, unwittingly. Okay. I mean, it, it was quite cool. You know, going down the rabbit hole and and realizing, God, I was fucking doing that you know uh, by gut right yeah you know that's Just what it intuition. was intuition yeah i want i wanted unique i wanted something unique i wanted us to be unique i didn't want us to be just another glam rock band or just another punk band or i wanted us to be we might end up doing movie soundtracks we might end up being in movies which john did i ended up doing some soundtracks you know um so we achieved a lot of it where it went wrong and we can compare this a little bit to the regulatory shit that's going on in this DeFi crap that is um, sucking the cocks of, of the regulatory uh, institutions. You know, it's the same thing. The more you are like a normal band, the more you are allowing them to get away with it. You know, um, like when the independent thing came out, what it amounted to, so if Pill was like the first post-punk band and then all these record companies we're like, oh, we're an indie company. Come and sign with us and you can do your own thing. It was like getting a record deal with a major, but just not getting paid for it and not getting an advance and kind of doing a lot what they wanted and a lot less what you wanted based on, oh, we're all on the same side. You know, um, I was a big fanboy for five minutes of Eric Voorhees, and I'm certainly not knocking him at all. But it really upset me when Shapeshift went KYC. Right. Um, it's funny, I was listening to Eric talking to uh, Peter McCormack last night in the car. Uh, him and Dan Held, that thing they did the other day, I don't know if mm -hmm. you, you caught a glimpse of it. Um, and I, I was with Dan all the way. Um, I'm with Eric in, in, in terms of, he, he was saying like, you know, some of these uh, tokens do have use and, and there is a kind of use for tokenomy. And, uh, and he was also saying, yeah, without a doubt, 99.98% of the ICOs were, were scams. 
you know, my personal opinion was that is that, you know, Ethereum was the infrastructure for a load of VC driven ICO scams that they knew were shit coins on the way in. And like a poor, naive, genuine person like me could never have known that. So, you know, I spent two years of my life, uh, you know, <laughs> like Jimmy Song came out with an article and he was more or less the first one to say it in, um, in Medium. He wrote an article for Medium and he more or less essentially said, you know, shit coins and ICOs are a fucking solution without a problem and they are all shit. And I remember writing in the thing, well, somebody had to say it, you troublemaker, Jimmy, you said it, you made me feel so much better because you saying it, I believe it. <laughs> you know, and now I can believe in myself and my own feelings more because I really feel like Jimmy Song probably was a little bit more qualified to make that comment than I would have been. But I, yeah, I was no. beginning to feel that way, you know. No, and it's particularly around that time, 2017, where all these ICOs were going off. Even if somebody's been around Bitcoin for for a while at that point, probably like three or four years, and had a good grasp. It was confusing where you, you started doubting yourself. Someone like, is this really going to take off? Uh, How many white like, papers can you read that say the same thing? Okay, right. and, and then and you're like, yeah, but what does it do? <laughs> you know, and and then you start thinking, well, I don't know what it does because I don't know anything about crypto. Yeah, and then it turned out, no, what the fuck does it do? You know, you know what the fuck is Ripple? <laughs> you know what the fuck is Dentacoin? And then, well. I think you could define what they are. They're coins to uh, do specific functions for like Denticoin, like paid dentists. Like why the fuck do you need a coin to pay dentists? And Well, I'm big on dentists and I'd love to create some kind of circular economy that made it that people that whose teeth were in bad shape could get that done somehow through some kind of tokonomy, you know. Um, but that, but it's big. Is Bitcoin the tokenomy though? Like, no, why no, do you Bitcoin need? Bitcoin can do it without a doubt. I didn't know that then, did I? You know, now I realize this can all be done. You need look no further than Bitcoin. Yeah. Right, and so I'm trying to figure out how we should structure this going because I want to do want to compare it to like the centralization of the music industry. Like you're talking about big labels and even indie labels. They'd say you know, they they're basically central authorities that tell you to do what, when, how. And that's probably a product of the fact that they own the means of production and distribution where that's all been decentralized now. Like this day and age, you have indie artists able to uh, record technology, even of iPhones and uh, relatively cheap equipment uh, makes it so individual artists and bands can get their stuff out there without the need for these central uh, distribution uh, centers. The, the first thing that really kicked that in the ass was um, the tech of digital technology being able to digitize music and make it which, which very very quickly led to if you have a computer you have a studio whereas before that would have been a 60,000 pound $100,000 proposition or y y you know you can imagine some ramshackled thing held together by bits and pieces but you know i saw loads of studios but essentially it was really expensive to have the cheapest eight track or 16 track going whereas now on all my computers I, i've always got a ui a, a digital audio workstation a door 
that can do infinite tracks and has room fulls of stuff just sitting in my computer. And it really does work properly now. Even when it didn't work properly, you could do so much more on your own. Uh, I was doing that in the early 80s on, on a thing called an emulator too, which I realized immediately, wow. I mean, I could see, wow, this is gonna be, this, this whole giant thing is gonna be just delivered on a disc soon. And you're just gonna be doing it inside at the time, which was an Apple Mac. Um, Windows computers were out and we were using Macs um, just because they were simpler, a bit more secure. But yeah, yeah, so that's what really kicked off the independence and being able to make a record and get it heard and make it well without having to have an advance, you could actually have a job and still do this and, and, you know, make your way, you know, work your way out of the situation you didn't want to be in. I never had to do that because I never allowed myself. I always worked hard, um, but I never allowed myself to be in that situation. Um, the reason I hated doing tours where you're doing the same show every night was the reason I got in a band was so I could do what the fuck I wanted, you know, if I wanted to work at the post office and do the same thing every day, deliver letters, I could have done that and, and not worried anymore. You know, but the, the whole point was to, what can we do on our own? You know, because all the stuff we seem to be allowed to do is so taxed. And even then, you, you know, they, they, they didn't just do it online. They'd ask you the questions. So you, you go somewhere and they just ask you all these KYC questions that amount to the same thing. You know, so it was Bitcoin that, made me realize, God, money's a Ponzi scheme and we're just economical units. And, you know, this recent stuff with, that's so eloquently put by our friend Robert Breedlove, you know, uh, the, the way he puts it just is so clear. You know, he, put, he dropped something in the group the other day. He just put, UBI is theft. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is. Yeah, so I just put, yeah, and it's an insult, you know. Um, yeah. So... What was the aha moment for you particularly? Was it Bitcoin scarcity? It's distributed nature. Um, what it was was just did like did you have a hunch that the money was fucked before Bitcoin? I, I always knew the money was fucked, man. I did a great arbitrage when I was with, uh, and I didn't know what arbitrage was at the time. Man. Okay, um, when I was uh, when we first put Pill together, uh, it was obvious that everyone was leaning towards and gonna be in America, probably New York, which is what happened. And uh, so we all went to New York. I'm in New York and like, uh, I got my head around very quickly, a Gibson that's $500 is 500 pounds. And if I put, just to put it in round figures, if I took pills 100K and turned it into over 200K in dollars, I'd have the same value. I'd have the same purchasing power, okay, which was, the kind of um, the best final first and last reason let's be apart from the, the fact London was stale and England was too slow and they just weren't getting it. Um, that was just one of the greatest reasons to, to be in New York was because two for one for, for the, the pound yeah. pound went a lot further. Yeah. 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 Pound got you over two dollars and a dollar had the same purchasing power as a pound at the time. Now I, I knew enough gut-wise to know that and I, I'm like now nah, we're in America now man so we're in we're in New York and we're in a great loft on West 19th Street and a really big place used to be a club and you know it's costing us half the money 
and we're exactly where we're meant to be you know so that was uh well the same reflection the money was fucked that which is where you came from on that did did we know the money we knew everything was fucked we didn't quite <sighs> know how or why or who and in our conversation over the summer you you, you mentioned the fact that you were I don't want to say pessimistic, but uh, Bitcoin and discovering Bitcoin and understanding it led to a more optic, optimistic view of the future for you. Is that correct? What you had was you had a guy that had really done okay. And, and people liked me for the fact that I did the clash and did pill and what have you. Yeah. And, and, uh, and and people understood I, I was looking for more than just being I mean there was more to it than just being in a band it wasn't just about being a guitarist it was way more you know um ask me the question again Marty Nick you, were you, you were a bit pessimistic from what I recall of our okay. previous conversations a bit pessimistic before Bitcoin and you've, Bitcoin is a solution to a problem that you've had a hunch that you've been trying to solve your whole career so to, to put it very simply, I, I felt like, you know, it, even looking in retrospect at what we did with Pill, I felt like we smashed down a few walls. And because the walls came down, we took our friends through with it. We took people through those walls and, and, and it worked, yeah? And then in the sort of late 80s and the horrible 90s and then the noughties, and, and all I saw was the World Wide Web get built on top of the internet. And all I saw was a reflection of exactly what was fucked, you know, that it got monopolized, the whole thing with cancel culture, you, you know, um, the whole thing with the Panoxygen that we all hate and, and we're working toward uh, rebuilding a decentralized net because of this. Um, yeah, so I was very pissed off person. I'm looking at Google, YouTube, any evil corp, any corp you want to mention, yeah? And I was just like, wow, you know, they rule the world. They, they don't pay tax. They don't do anything. You know, AML's out there to protect us from them, and it just finances them. It just hides them amongst the crowd. And I was really, really upset. And the thing was, there's nothing new under the sun except Bitcoin. That's what I say. You know, it's the first time we've had a tool Okay, and this isn't written in stone, it's up to us. Okay, but at least now we have a tool that can deal with this. We have an option, we have a way of navigating. We don't have to smash down Facebook or any evil corporation out there. Uh, you know, Silicon Valley have turned into the government. We don't have to, we don't have to worry about them. Fuck them, let them get on with it. Okay, we can, we might just be able to build a better world. Um, the, the light bulb moment you spoke about earlier, like I said, um, I was watching of all people, Don Tapscott, Don Tapscott, the futurist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this is early newbie crypto days, um, talking about blockchain and the future and Imogen Heap and Mycelia and all this kind of thing and uh, smart contracts and property rights and all and he touched on what what he did do was give me a really good um essay of what was in in this bowl of fruit and uh it was talking about the transparency of bitcoin and the transparency of blockchains and that's when i something clicked with me and i turned around to my missus and said bitcoin's not that money bitcoin's about solving solving world famine that was my aha moment okay but when it came to actually sorting out 
the men from the boys or the man from the toys, you know, that took uh, another 18 months before I realized yeah, it, there is only Bitcoin and I'm not going to live and die by that. But when it comes to uh, the value prop of Bitcoin as a, a potential global currency uh, and as a tool for survival for those who need it at the moment. Uh, yeah. Bitcoin's going to solve world famine. It's pretty. I don't, I, I don't think I was the first person to come up with that, but it was right. the first thing I came up with where obviously we'd gone into Bitcoin because we were pulled towards it. What the fuck is it? And uh, I was stupid enough to dismiss it in 2011. There you go. Um, if I hadn't, all I'd be doing is what I'm doing now. And I'd be, um, and I, I just have loads of devs working and, and not struggling as much, you know, but anyway, uh, that can still happen. Uh, yeah. 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 No, it's, I, um, again, when you first reached out via email, very long, beautiful email, flattered that you're a freak, uh, it stuck out to me particularly because again, I grew up listening to my dad, huge punk rock fan and, um, grew up listening to punk and I really res that movement particularly resonated with me because somebody who grew up as well. I was, gosh, I was 10 when nine 11 happened and very young when we went to all those wars. And then I was 17 when the financial crisis happened. And I just so happened to be taking like an economics elective in high school at the time. And I want to ask learned, you about that. Yeah. And we learned, we learned how fucked like, the politicians were they were just trying to get self-serving uh bills or self-serving um uh, uh pork it was called there's stuff that was self-serving in these tarp bills that were supposed to save the economy and just really had a rage against the machine mentality um ha having seen how corrupt and evil a lot of the politicians and, and corporations that rule the day are and um I think, like you said, nothing nothing's new under the sun except for Bitcoin. Yeah, well, uh, there's an old saying, isn't it? There's nothing new under the sun. There's an old saying right? of wisdom, like when you've been around a little bit, it's like the fourth turning thing. You, you, you know, you, you can go back, you can go back all the way to the Roman Empire, you can go back 5,000 years BC and you'll, you'll find out, you know, actually that existed before money, credit existed before money. Very, very interesting stuff you can find out going down this rabbit hole, but it, it, it also, all this thing about, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, humans do, okay? And, and then another light, but part of the, the light bulb, which came a bit later, but you, you had to be through, through the door, was, uh, you know, the word was, yeah, Satoshi's main uh, game theory incentive was human greed. And at first, for the first, literally the first few seconds, I, I took it as uh, a kind of insult. And I thought, well, actually, well, no, that's totally right. The reason, what drew me into Bitcoin? I wanted to make some money, hopefully quickly. You know, um, when I started understanding Bitcoin, I started understanding the difference between hard money and wealth. And uh, I started understanding why everything is so fucked because... Uh, the powers that be have gamed it that way. Then you learn the whole story of the creature from Jekyll Island and you realize, wow. And then you go back to 1690 and so on and so on. And yeah, so there's nothing new under the sun except Bitcoin. 
Yeah. And it's a lot of long cons too. Like the, oh, the cr- these guys think in 300 year games, 70 years, you know, they, they got the, their main thousand year one and then they got their 70 year ones. The 70 years is short term for them. Mm-hmm. And now, again, that's another beautiful thing about Bitcoin. It allows individuals, the common man, to think long term too and think long term and build a system that, that combats that uh, corrosive monetary system controlled by select few which is which is well, a beautiful that, thing that that gets us into um you know the difference be, between uh, i think you went through this a lot with safety recently um you know high time preference versus low time preference and when you get your head around that trying to um adopt a low time preference mo takes time <laughs> and and, and right. isn't easy. yeah I, i've got a, a point on this if i can find it quickly in my notes because um man i've got so many questions for you but anyway um no but it, it yeah it's funny though I, I agree with that like it takes time to develop a low time preference which the makes times a lot of i've sense. been sitting in the car right and I, I, i've had you on it for the last 10 minutes of the journey or something and and you know you've said well, you have to lower your time preference. And, and, and all the times I've been just driving along and you just think that you're thinking about Bitcoin, let's face it. And like, you're, you know, and, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to drive past. I got a lower time preference. I don't need to, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I want to savor the moment more and not just be going there. I, I can't find it in the notes, but I can remember it. The, the whole point was that low time preference was never an option for us. Because uh, we were just brought up in, um, I knew I'd never be able to find the notes when I wanted to. Um... <laughs> Here we go. Something like, why a sound monetary policy leads to prosperity and being able to enjoy and leverage a low time preference. Deflation with a question mark. Um, why is everyone conditioned to high time preference or high time preference was the only option to survive as hence the real economical units because that's what we are you know we're these economical units that are running on these hamster wheels for them you know i mean we wouldn't be hamster wheeling it if we weren't paying tax and we weren't doing all, all you know um if we weren't we didn't have a gun to our head all the time and this isn't opt-in i mean Bitcoin's opt-in. If you don't like Bitcoin, don't get involved then. Yeah? Right. Yeah, it's that simple, really. It's opt-in. Now, I'm not allowed to opt out of this. It's illegal for me to opt out of, uh, I mean, it's coercion, isn't it? it, it it's like... Um, well, it's coercion in m- many ways, too. Right? It's, it's not just coercion from a gun at your head, you have to pay your taxes or we'll put you in a cage. It's also coercion... In, the form of the inflation tax where you're literally if you want to survive and sustain a quality of life that you're used to you have to go out and make more money right and you're sort of forced to do something and you're forced to spend it pretty quickly right otherwise you won't get the value you cannot make plans it doesn't mean you know we used to think because our parents or my parents generations yeah um you, you know they talk about saving they just they come out of um 
the leftovers of hard money, sound money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you could debate that, but essentially, uh, you know, so they were they weren't into instant gratification, and they were into saving, and they were into those things. And really, my I've got one word, right? How? You know, how the fuck are we supposed to save? And by the time we want to spend it, I mean, if you did the boomer um, program. I'm 63 years old, so I'm supposed to be able to, at some point, very soon, draw a pension, which is never going to happen with me, um, and just have, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be the part of the economy that's being looked after by guys of your age who are ready to do your optimal amount of work, um, which you're not able to do. It's not possible. And what do they just do? They just debase the, the whole global economy, about 20%, which we won't see for about another five months then we'll start hitting people what happened in 2020 you know and hopefully wake people up to well what the fuck happened in 1971 you know so yeah well outside of the monetary system like what's your view on 2020 with all the lockdowns and shit like that seems very there's so many sheep out there in my mind like do you i think you covered this a lot with safety so i won't go into it too much okay um I think a lot of hysterical nonsense. I thought it was a psyop all along. I'm not saying there wasn't a virus or there isn't a virus. When I first heard about the virus, apart from you thinking it came from Corona beer or something, um, that was way, way, that was like in November. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you just heard about it or something. Um, but I, I, I personally think it was a psyop and it was a test to see how far, when to push, how, who's gonna push back. It's so different in America to how it is here. You know, we're, we're so, um, what, what's the word? We're, we're very cooperative here in comparison to Americans. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of cooperative people here too. Luckily, there's a lot of diversity between states. Um, and like you said, when you mentioned Sex Pistols fucking up by not understanding America and the oh, different yeah. sort of cultures that exist. Luckily, we have that shelling point that the United States is so big and so vast that there's many different cultures ranging from progressive to conservative throughout the country. And I think obviously the conservative types luckily have been, have been pushing back against uh, a lot of this nonsense. Which was surprising. Why do you say that? Uh, I don't know, because maybe I don't understand what you mean by conservative. Um... Conservative in so conservative well yeah because it's switched in yeah uh, okay so you get you get you get the point to to a point yeah exactly Uh, but yeah it it is was is nonsense um so i can't help thinking it's a psyop and i can't help thinking oh what a fantastic opportunity to deploy an app to see who's going to download this thing and subscribe to it you know track and trace yeah Yeah. And, and also what a fantastic advert from our point of view for how inept and fractured and splintered government powers are. Okay, um, this is probably quite common knowledge to to a lot of people that know about this stuff. But I mean, I, I'm still a kid. I'm not trying to be a kid, but a lot of stuff I still see it from the way I saw things when I was 20. I, I get that instant anger, and I know there's something fucked. But now I can actually. Um, you know, I, I, I can actually unpack it. Uh, another thing with the, the light bulb moment with Bitcoin, once you've had that initial 
introduction and you realize this isn't about money <laughs> this is about so much and you realize the game theory the philosophy the history um the deployment for, for good um you start understanding what value is and uh I, i'm sorry i lost track of myself again it, it, it's easy yeah, to do <laughs> it's freedom right it's, uh, yeah it lets you express that free don't give a fuck. I want to do what I want to do mentality. Um, so cause, cause it opens up the ability for free economic association, freedom of association, opt in truly free. It's a personal decision. So, you know, as a Bitcoiner that you want to answer what is Bitcoin. The first thing comes up, what is money? And right. that's different for everybody, but, there, you know, there are essential, essential central things that make money money, but it doesn't really matter what is money. It's like how are you allowed to go about uh, deploying that? So what I'm saying is we've um, we've been conditioned to think you know money is kind of created and then sort of blessed by the queen or something and you know like God creates his money and the queen kind of blesses it and put her stamps on it and then we get this really valuable paper and the unknown i've known ever since it's toilet paper and it's worthless you know but yeah. luckily everybody recognizes it you know um it's like if i walked into a shop and um they asked me for change of a, a 50 and i said i'm sorry i can only give you it in sacks what a fantastic deal could you imagine if i said to somebody can you change this 50 and they said i, I can only give you i can i give you 50 pounds in sacks I give you $65 in sacks. I'd be like, give me $40 in sacks. You can keep the change. Bro. Right. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but to understand that, you know, for, for me, um, if I want to sell merchandise or, or if I wanted to sell things, I'd definitely give a 40% discount for BTC pay server. You know, if you, if you pay directly with Bitcoin, because I can always take the money and buy Bitcoin. Okay. But that's different to just the value profit just being, paid in bitcoin and yeah, there's something I, I, I want to ask you about but not right this minute um okay yeah uh i was gonna say i love so we the way our btc pay server set up particularly with merch um is it's a great way to get bitcoin at a discount essentially so we my our merch stores hooked up to shopify which is hooked up to this company called printful which prints our merch on demand and i have to pay printful in us dollars so it's hooked up to our business bank account and people most people buy our merch with bitcoin which is pretty cool to see and so we're, we're we mark our our merch up a little bit uh, above what the cost is to produce it so essentially all we have to do from our business account is pay the cost uh the bare minimum cost to produce the merch and we get more sats than we're actually paying out of our business account. And that's non-KYC'd straight to a hardware wallet that I own. Uh, it's pretty massively uh, revolutionary. And then just a great passive way to, to stack sats. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to hit you up maybe now, maybe a bit later on um, ways of earning Bitcoin. Uh, I, I'll give you a few woes that i'm dealing with over here apart from peter mccormack 
I'm the only guy I know in England that's into Bitcoin, apart from people I turned on to it, who all I do is nurse them and say, no, 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 no don't do that. No, 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 don't use this wallet. Okay. Well, you, you know, uh, people using custodial wallets and using weird stuff. I, that's really good for convenience. But if you want to be into Bitcoin, there's, you know, get a blue wallet, get a green wallet, underst understanding, segue, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, that's another thing that, I love about you particularly is that you are a counterexample to one of the common lines that people throw out there. It's like, ah, oh, anybody over the age of millennial will never be able to use this or actually use a hardware wallet or a node. And you're proving that to be uh, not true in Dude, real time. I have two nodes running that I can see from here. <laughs> so, <laughs> in a way, I want to talk to you about nodes as well because. Uh, when we originally spoke, um, part of it was to um, possibly put something back into the community that maybe Matt's already done. Uh, I just find that uh, I love Matt. I love where he's coming from, uh, pretty much. Um, and remember, I spent a lot of time in New York, so I understand New Yorkers. Um, I think uh, a lot of English people would be, say, um, put off by Matt. Okay. Really? Why? Uh, be only because he's got a certain tone. And uh, Americans ain't going to be bothered. Yeah, they're just going to think, oh, he's probably a New Yorker. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, you know, but when, when it comes down to it, I know Matt. So I feel like I know him so well because I spent so much time in New York, and I know so many New Yorkers. You know, little guys that are like Matt. You know, maybe they were like it about about music and getting paid. There was this guy mm -hmm. called Keith the Blank. He was about five foot one, and he, you know, he was like a in your face New Yorker. You know. So he was he he, uh, he did uh, he did the message he did the backing track for the message yeah Grandmaster Flash I think or something mm -hmm. like that yeah and, and a load of other stuff yeah and you start talking to him and you yeah dude but how are you gonna fucking pay me man how are you gonna pay me yeah I'm tired of doing shit where I don't get paid yeah because that, that's all it was then you know I mean you know but mm -hmm. it, it's quite common in the music business to not get paid you know and and or to put a lot of time in and then say, right, I ain't doing any more unless you pay me, you know, and hoping you've got enough leverage still to make it that it's just not worth it for them to get someone else to, you know. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, what were we talking about? Um, well, we were talking about nodes. Um, oh, yeah. The fact that you uh, are a counterexample of common yeah. uh, I, line I that's thrown out there. Running two nodes here. And when I spoke to you, um, I, like I'm trying to decide, I, I've, got, I've got this box in front of me just full of tech bits and pieces, uh, essentially, which amounts to at the moment, two Raspberry Pis waiting to go together. And I don't know whether to do a Blitz or a MyNode. And this little screen arrived. So I'm probably going to do both. And I wanted to put it on the TFTC page, me doing it, uh, which addresses your yeah keith you know you're not like the normal boomer you know you're not supposed to know how to use nodes you're supposed to be on coinbase and kind of showing off yeah oh yeah i've got bitcoin but you know whereas i deleted coinbase pretty quickly yeah i i would admit to i did go on to coinbase and use it because it was the quickest way to get bitcoin and that was the way i was taught mm -hmm. you know somebody said oh yeah man you download this app you do that you know you know the story yeah um, but my thing is, uh, that's where Bitcoin Granny comes from, you know, Bitcoin Granny. Yeah? It's like, uh, you know, can, can your granny spin up a wallet and do this? Well, I can. 
you know, right. and uh, you know, I mean, um, while just I, just just to extend the offer, if if you want to make that video, it's the, the TFTC YouTube channel is open to you. Well, that's really great to know, uh, and it would be nice to um, maybe um, chat with Matt sometime anyway. Uh, but uh, here's the thing: is uh, yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I find when Matt puts stuff out, of course he gets it, okay, but somebody that doesn't know anything about it is going to look at that and say, well, apart from the fact he's out of focus, fuck that. I don't know what he's talking about. Whereas I know what he's talking about. I still don't get it. I, I actually do. But um, I could see me not getting it. You know, and yeah. I wanted to do a thing, even if it goes wrong, like we're building this thing. Right? And, you know, maybe it's, it's 20 minutes worth and it's like 20 minutes is like an hour. And it, like, I get it. If it's a hardware wallet, you want to do it all in real time. This is exactly what happened. I get that. Okay. But if it's the thing, I'm not going to wait. We'll come back in a week when we downloaded the blockchain. Okay. Okay. Blockchain's up. This is what we did. You know, I just want to be more. If this happens, do this. If this happens, have a day off and then go back to it. And that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm trying to just put something a little bit more comprehensive where we can send people to TFTC, specifically TFTC. Because, uh, you know, from where I'm coming from, you don't get enough listens and you don't get enough views. All the Bitcoiners know about you. Okay. But the reason I'm talking to you is I want some of these dickheads I used to know to know about you, you know, and, and me. And, um, but, you know, I don't want to be going on about the record I made 40 fucking years ago. I want to be talking about what's going on now. Okay, right. because you might think you don't need Bitcoin because you've got your Ponzi PayPal or Visa card. But the fact is, we all need Bitcoin. You know, we need it bad. We've needed it for a long time. And um, getting around the barriers of um, explaining what the fuck happened in 1971 or explaining what happened with the Fed or explaining that they copied that from the Bank of England anyway, and it's not a new idea, or explaining that gold's a shit coin. Yeah, uh, this takes two years of um, voluntary wanting and listening. It's not easy to listen to TFTC, okay, unless you want to. Once you get the vernacular, I can't not listen to you guys now. I feel bad if I miss a rabbit hole recap. If I'm, if I'm two days late on a rabbit hole recap, there's a good reason for it. <laughs> you know this is crazy to me it's insane what it's, is it uh, why why tell me i don't know does it make you feel good uh i mean yes i'm extremely flattered um well i'm not saying it to flatter you I i'm saying it to no to, i know to let you know how fucking important you are and when i see 360 views and i'm looking at joe rogan getting like 3.1 million views four days ago and it's like you know, this is three months and you've had 360 views and that was really fucking important, TFTC, you know. Um, and it doesn't pay to be in 2020 and to go back to a 2018 TFTC because so much has changed, yeah? Yeah. Um, so maybe looking at some of the, the work you've done and, and um, kind of reassembling it, and say it, it doesn't matter what happened then, this is where we are now. So, you know, the message will be more or less the same. It's just um, this is what we were looking for. We were looking for a certain amount of abstraction and, and uh, usefulness while getting across the light bulb reasons why it, it pays to, um, to be able to do this. And it's not good enough. 
that you can just download an app like a banking app okay and use it because you know how to sign into it and you can get a reset when you forget how to sign into it it's just not enough it's just like uh you know so where i'm coming from is bitcoin proves the internet went wrong and bitcoin is a chance of us getting the internet right uh, which will lead me on some notes and, and this this will go well you know so when it comes to running nodes you've got casa embassy yeah and then you've got the likes of my node blitz and one or two others okay and understanding how to connect wallets and what it means to verify your own transactions it takes time right yes like, it does so i yes. think what you're getting at here is like trying to expedite the um learning curve as much as possible like that's something i go back and forth like is it possible like do people just need to lower their time preference and put in the hours to understand all this it's really difficult to get somebody's head around lowering their time preference to put in the time to do this i've heard you say a few times oh you know not that little fire under my ass to do this or to do that and i know what it's like because i'm the same and i mean uh you know, I went through recently and I had this embassy sitting in a box here where I'm sitting and I, I got back um, and I didn't open it for another, I don't know, six weeks. I had the thing running by the end of the day, you know, running and connected to all of it, ride the lightning, L&D, lightning seed and all that. But I still, even though it was kind of handed to me on a plate with the embassy, okay, there's still loads I don't understand about it but it's drawing me into those areas. And it's put me in an area where I feel like, because I could have always put a mind node together, but mm -hmm. assimilating it and, and understanding what the fuck I was doing wouldn't have quite been in there. But because I had the handheld experience of doing it with Start9 Labs, Labs is a product. Okay, and I wanna go into this. I wanna unpack this a bit more with you. Um, made me realize what the fuck I was doing. What what you're actually doing, connecting your wallet to your node, and then you're just using your phone as a terminal to talk to it. And, um, you, you know, we, remember this thing is, you were saying people don't know, they're gonna have to put time into it. Um, when I was first downloading Bitcoin wallets, like uh, I was so naive and I was so lucky, and luckily I, it wasn't like I was putting millions in, even hundreds, you know, um, just put a, a few, quid in there just to see it work and what a buzz that that was but it still took me a year and a half to really understand wow you know this isn't a thing that was designed by a massive team working for a central bank this is a wallet that you can go and spin up yourself that is available open source you know uh github is a is a tough barrier mm -hmm. to get people yeah over. right because people just use the app store like oh, just download it yeah um and then people can say, I, I don't care how it's built. It, it's like that thing, you know, when you use the TV, you don't have to know it used to be scan lines and now it's pixels. And, you know, you don't need to know the, the difference between 5K, 4K, HD, NTSC, PAL. You know, we're going backwards. Um, you know, all you need to know is I turn this thing on and select channel three and I get the program I watch. Okay, well, we want a certain amount of that available overall because not everyone's going to be is, is going to be like me you know not everyone of my age is going to be like me and just want to know everything okay mm -hmm. uh so i I'm, I'm looking to kind of um tangle out what are the key things that we can use to get people between the age of 45 and the end of their lives 
spinning up wallets and um, realizing how important this space is, you know. Right. Uh, there, there are these other guys on the YouTube scene, I guess, um, that are actually quite cool. They understand Bitcoin and what have you, but they're always going on about new Raspberry Pis or uh, Kubernetes clusters or j j just different combinations of cloud computing or the new 8 gig upgrade to the <laughs> Uh, or the Arduino version, single board computer, you know, it, but we can talk to these guys and they'll, they'll put their stuff on there. They'll put this stuff on there, even though it's you, even though it's TFTC or whatever, the Bitcoin coin cooperative, you know, Bitcoin granny, I don't know. Bitcoin granny takes a trip. Yeah. And right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, um, this yeah. is something I want to dive into here is, um, again, you're 63. Yeah. You've, it's, is it safe to say the, uh, the, uh, like you're, you're on the back end of your life, but you're so passionate about this. Like, yeah, better. And you've be. had, and you've had an extremely, it's really fucking important. That's why, man. Okay. Yeah. So let's dive into like how important, like, so you're passionate about something that you may not even, uh, get to use. Yes. Yeah. You may not, you may not get all the benefits of, of something you're so passionate about right now. Who did, the article, who did that article in the medium, uh, Bitcoin turns 12? Was it Dan Held? I'm not sure. Okay. Whoever. Okay. Uh, and he, he was saying like, uh, like thinking of the stonemasons building these great cathedrals, you know, uh, if a clever or peasant walked into the cathedral and looked at the arches and the colors coming through the stained glass windows and everything. It was probably the greatest experience of their life. Okay. Well, what about the people three generations ago that started building that? Okay. So I want to be responsible for the Bitcoin. I, I want to have bricks, my own bricks in the Bitcoin cathedrals of the future. I love and that. and uh, it made me understand what I was doing more that I'm part of something that uh, don't you think Bitcoin, uh, focuses in on your inner moral compass you know yeah. i feel like all people know the difference between right and wrong innately okay so when you're a kid or something you might be doing something you might be stealing something with some other kids or doing something or bullying someone could be anything and you know inside it's wrong but you need to experience it i remember when i was a kid i was about oh i don't know eight or nine and i saw my first fight i was walking through a recreation area the park yeah and I, I saw this big fat kid have a fight with this other kid and it really i nearly pissed myself it, it wasn't you know it wasn't rambo it was just a good old-fashioned fight yeah but they were fighting about something and i didn't run i just kind of watched and then walked on but like uh it just felt wrong and i remember the first thing i stole where i went into a shop with a friend of mine and i was about 11 or 12 and I thought it was really stupid, but I did it anyway, because I just wanted to do it with this guy. He was like, let's go up to the West End of London. We're going to steal some Dunhill lighters. Okay. And we did. We went into these shops, like these two kids in school uniforms with their ties off, looking at lighters like we smoked. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I just thought, God, it's so obvious we're going to do a runner. And then my friend Hugh said to me, now, bosh, and we're out the shop and we ran down the road and like, it was so much fun and it was so fucking wrong. And the last thing on the planet I wanted was a Dunhill lighter. You know, it would have been like a, an invitation to the Fed. You know, would you like to be on the committee of the Federal Reserve? Well, actually, no. Um, you know, and I don't want a Dunhill lighter. But, and I knew it was wrong, and I, I, I never did it again. 
you know, but I had to do that to find out just like I had to hit somebody once to find out I did, this is just not my scene. You know, yeah. and I'm not a great fighter anyway, but uh, yeah. So, but what I'm saying is you've got this inner witness, this moral compass inside you. And um, we haven't been allowed to exercise that. If anything, we've been um, co-opted into really coerce horrible um duplicitous ways of thinking um you know there's so much emotion tied up with money um going back to that light bulb thing um you know once bitcoin opens that door you start realizing the value of lowering your time preference and you start realizing the value of my god i can i i i started a, a lightning wallet with my missus for our niece bella yeah, she's about eight. Mm -hmm. I bought Bitcoin. I bought a few Bitcoin rabbis books, and I sent one of those to her, right? Which because <laughs> it's perfect for her. And like, uh, you know, Kate was like, "No, I, I want to hold the wallet for now. We'll turn it on to it soon." And I, I said, "Yeah, great. Let's do it in sats. Do it with lightning." And uh, so we're just sitting on, and we're just stacking sats for her. Yeah. But the point is, is nine months ago, I couldn't even think like that for myself. Well, maybe a year and a half ago you know uh, whereas now we can and like you know we feel like um it's the best possible investment we can make otherwise we had nothing where otherwise we have got no choice we can barely get by ourselves yeah so how the fuck are we going to sort out an inheritance for my son who lives in america and who's doing fine he probably does better than me and uh great kid you should meet him you know um where's he at he right now about. is in Pittsburgh because he's this is a is it Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh? Yeah, Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, yeah. He's about uh, he's about thirty eight. Very good school. He uh, yeah he's just um I, I'm a granddad as of uh, a year and a half ago. You know. Congrats. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, and and um, yeah, you well, know, just I think I think you're getting at a very very important topic is the fact that the fiat monetary system has a very heavy hand in the destruction of the nuclear family, right? And you can talk about yeah. time preference, especially here in America, forcing both parents or potential parents, people are not even fit forming families anymore, um, into the it's workplace. It's a liability. Working. The thought of it is a, is a liability, don't you think? Right. I, I mean, pre-Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. H hang on a second. Katie, is it possible? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I mean. There's nothing new under the sun except Bitcoin because it's that tool that allows you to think for yourself. You know, I don't right. care how hard they're going to, you know, like uh, Prohibition, that worked well, didn't it? You know, <laughs> they're not going to ban it. They're, they're going to adopt it, you know, eventually. Uh, but also, yeah, Kate's saying like, uh, if they can't take it over, you know they can't be as they they'll have to join us i imagine they'll be joining us okay but i also you it's really important i've always wanted to say this to you because uh you're such a well-meaning motherfucker and and like some of the things you say i i saw someone say on twitter to you something like oh poor naive marty blah 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 right but i i think it's really important to have that naivety you're not so naive uh, to have the hope to see the 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 potential power in something it's not Bitcoin doesn't give a fuck. It's just, it's still about people. It's not about Bitcoin, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's this an ace tool. Yeah, it's a tool that opens up human ingenuity and freedom. At the end of the day, it's a it's a vehicle, not the end goal, right? 
So the light, the light bulb moment sheds. You, you start looking, you start looking at the beam and you start looking in another area, you're finding low time preference. And then you're looking in another area and you add low time preference to it. And you think, my God, I can actually make a plan. You know, you know, this isn't just like a, a safe haven life raft. This is a uh, God, I can live. I, I, and then you start thinking of the Gilded Age and just how wonderful, what, what a wonderful time it was when there was a sound monetary system and how sound monetary system uh, lead to a better psychological disposition and, and leads to, um, it leads to honesty. Uh, another thing I wanted to go over with you was, uh, do you think um, Bitcoin makes violence and wars obsolete? Obsolete. Violence, I don't think violence will ever, I mean, like you said, you have to be in a fight to know that you don't want to fight. And I think humans, yeah. particularly children, are going to have to go through that lesson. I think it makes it extreme. Well, yes, I do. Um, wars, particularly. And this is people. That's what I mean by violence. I mean that overall. Yeah, yeah no, I do. Violence. Because, and this, is, and this is another thing. Actually, at Great American Mining, we give a presentation about Bitcoin as the currency of energy. Um, and the fact that a currency backed by energy has been predicted by many very smart people in the past, particularly Henry Ford and Buckminster Fuller, both I mean, of whom. I'm, I'm hip to it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but both of who said that, like, if you want to end wars, you got to create a currency backed by energy. And I think the way the fiat monetary system works and the way it's wall garden and you can just shut off whole populations from your system. Uh, just creates inherent friction that leads to conflict um and so a lot of the conflicts and the wars around the world revolve around energy and if you're able to sort of harness that energy in a more peaceful fashion uh I, I, via bitcoin i think i'm a very strong believer in that that future if you're able to um, plug in all the stranded energy sources in the world with bitcoin miners that uh, there will be a lot less stress and fighting over these energy sources because um, you're able to get value out of them in remote areas and transact that value instantaneously to to other areas where people need to where the economies are are forming and where economic activity is happening. Do you think gold's a shitcoin? <laughs> I do. I, I do I too, do. and I I think it was the best tech we ever had. Pretty pretty clunky, uh, but it, it it did the job. Um, well, I, obviously, you listen to the Safe episode. I think Safe really um, pinpointed the reason why why gold is a shit coin. Uh, even though Safe would probably argue that he would put up with a, a sound monetary system based on gold uh, if Bitcoin doesn't work out, but uh, Bitcoin or excuse me, gold not being saleable through space as easily as Bitcoin is makes it a shit coin. Um, and the in one of your the, bents, you, you, you were going on about gold. I can't remember why. Oh, I do remember why. It was because of that um, that, that Chinese scam where it turned out it was tungsten steel covered in. Or was, I can't remember. Yeah, but it made perfect sense. And to audit Bitcoin, it, it, I'm sorry, to audit gold, it, it, if if all the plan, sorry, if all the countries got together and, and said, okay, we're, we're going to do a joint cooperative here and we're gonna, we need to audit the gold on the planet, it would still take five years. The best 
yeah. And then by the time that five years had ended, where would we be? Uh, with Bitcoin, I can do it probably in less than a minute. You know, if I just pick up my phone, I can all get the Bitcoin supply. Yeah. Um, so many people on the planet don't understand how important that is, why that matters. They don't understand what money is. They don't need to understand what money is. They don't realize. Um, how many times have you tried to turn, let's just say, an average person onto Bitcoin and watch? You, you could probably get to the point where you think, I bet I get 90 seconds with this guy before he glazes. Because you know that look, you get this look. And it's like, they're trying to be polite and they're looking at you and they're acting like yeah. they're listening. And they so don't give a fuck. And they so don't care. You know? well, that's what I find a bit ironic about the fact that I have this podcast and it's become a bit popular in the Bitcoin realm and people have found it is in my real life in meat space. Like I've only been able to convince probably less than a dozen people to buy Bitcoin, like close friends. And that, Dude, you're making me feel better because I would have thought of all people, Marty Bentz turned a hell of a lot of people onto Bitcoin. I think you've actually turned more people onto it than you realize. Um, but you're, you're talking about in personal experience. I mean, maybe I, I've gotten three people and one of those was a late straggler coming back in. And I still had to do it using what I call Bitcoin Granny's custodial solutions just to get them you know, and while teaching them about it a bit and then maybe getting them to download the blue wallet and taking them out of the custodial yeah, I mean, situation. And then, yeah. The, the people in my personal circle um, who I've convinced to, to get into Bitcoin are like fully into it and they're happy that they're into it. They're thankful. But yeah, a lot of it, a lot of the conversations I have with family members, friends, same thing, glazing over like whatever. And that's why I love being able to write the newsletter and have this podcast because I'm basically just yeah. able to put my thoughts out there and, yeah, well, you and find who's already receptive to them. You show up and you do it every day and you know, I don't know how you do it, man, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, I'm toying with the idea of, of doing a podcast, you, you know, um, that Bitcoin would be the central hub of, but I, I see myself as like a user activated soft fork of my own, that everything I'm into now, luckily is totally backward compatible with everything I was always into. If anything, uh, it was like, I found a tool 35 years later that I was missing at the time. And I don't think I'm trying to say I invented Bitcoin or anything. It, it was just that, that whole thing of opting in and doing your thing and being responsible for it. If it goes wrong, that's your problem, yeah? Okay, with some kind of token, this little token PIL thing. But yeah, the tech wasn't there. Nothing was there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, people just have to be receptive to it, right? And you can't for, that's what I've found over the years. Like I, I was that annoying Bitcoin family member and friend where I just like incessantly talk about it with people like pay attention to the point where you just turn people off and it's like yeah right. well that's the thing you see you, 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 yeah you're like you're doing it and you had them for a few seconds and now you're turning them off <laughs> and, yeah, and, and right. you know it's happening and you're like oh there goes another one you know um, yeah. so I've I've adjusted my strategy to just being like hey I have this podcast I have this newsletter if you ever want to learn there's good sources to learn, I think at least. Uh, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out, but I'm not gonna try and change your mind anymore. I think I learned from somebody, somebody wants to know about Bitcoin, tell them to go and read the Bitcoin standard. And, and if you still wanna to talk to me, 
you have to prove you've read it a little bit but um right yeah you know or you can tell if they, they've read about a third of it or they've read a bit of web of debt or something and uh have you read that marty web of debt web of debt i don't believe so man you want to read that fucking book okay ellen brown she's quite interesting she sees bitcoin as something that's cool but just so small it's not worth considering she's trying to do public banking ellen brown she's about 73 i'm not sure if she's a senate but she's certainly uh, an attorney and she's certainly got something to do with the government in america um you know she's not cynthia loomis okay um <laughs> But when it comes to knowing how money works, fuck me, man. You know, uh, I really recommend and to anyone out there, whatever debt, because uh, it would also give you the uh, parallel story of the Wizard of Oz, which I know you're hip to, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so it, it uses that as rails to get through a, a very, very, um, very, very tough journey. And it will, it will take you through the Federal Reserve and just how the money changes work and who they are and, and why this is no easy struggle no um yeah and it is truly evil at the end of the day like oh, you think God, it's yeah yeah it's i mean and then like you said there's nothing new under the sun there's parables at it and i don't i don't think you're a religious man but there's like in the bible jesus throwing out the money changers there's plenty of who made examples. that point recently that i think was it breedlove that said that the only thing was it him or maybe not um the only thing he took issue with, the only time, the one time he gets pissed off, according to the Bible, was with the fucking money changers. And, right. and the point he makes is the total Bitcoin point. You know, that basically they got you by the balls and this is usury and this is wrong and I want these guys out. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm not that well read when it comes to King James Bible or any Bible. Um, I, I'm considering reading one. You know what it's like. You become a Bitcoiner, and you've got more unread books than read books. You know. Oh my gosh, I know that. I know that. And the probably. time to do it because it's not just having the time; it's having the time where you can actually focus. Focus. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if it's an audio book, how many times have you fallen asleep from an audio book and wondered if yeah. you heard it? You know. I don't. I've only done one audio book, and it was for this podcast. It was the uh, um, Jeff Booth's book. Names oh wow. Escaping me right now. Uh, uh, well, um, price of the future. The price, price of, of the future. Yeah, price of tomorrow. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I read I'd rather that. I, I like I read, to hold and read. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. That um, my thing is do both because Kindle did this weirdy thing where you can have both. Uh, I I got the the little Bitcoin book, Jimmy Song's one. There was this thing, and it's like you can be reading it, and then you can just hit this button and be hearing it. And I like listening to it and reading it at the same time. And then, or reading the whole thing and then listening to it and, and being able to access it. Audible doesn't allow you to do that. Um, and yeah, it, it's not enough just having the book read to you. You've got to read it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that too. Um, I also find that um, you have to read these books at least twice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It's yeah. like sovereign individuals one I've read many times. Wow. Bitcoin standard. I'm in the middle of that. And it's so much not what I expected. And what do you mean? In a good way or a bad way? Oh, no, in a good way. God, yeah. No, it, it's, it reaches the parts I never expected a book to go to. You know, I've been hearing about the sovereign individual ever since I've been into Bitcoin. And 
just being too busy reading. And because I had this little period recently, uh, it was actually too much energy to read. So I, I got into audio books. And yeah, another one that will blow your mind is uh, Debt the First 5,000 Years, yeah? By Graeber. Yeah. Did you, yeah. have you read it? I have not. Rest in peace, though. He died this year recently. Yeah, he, he died, yeah, this year, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, really, really mind-blowing. Um, it will, that's where I got the, the whole thing about uh, credits, nothing new and credit showed up before money. There was no, there wasn't, you know, economics 101, which I never did. Um, they'll tell you, um, oh, you know, when you go back to the beginning, it was like, how many pigs can I get for your cow? And it was Bart and it was this and the coincidence of wants and all this kind of stuff. It's bollocks that it didn't start with barter at all because the whole system, I don't want to go into it too much, um, but the whole system was so different. Not that there was a financial system, but. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, there was basically ledger technology there too, right? Where you had the accountant at the center of town who would keep keep the books. and More like records of favors then yeah, exactly. you know you owe him a favor you know he he might have made you a saddle you might have to go and make him a uh, brass belt a chair a yeah, chair or, or, or yeah. i know put his roof back on if it comes up yeah that kind of thing yeah so yeah. if you want to call that barter yes um another thing with smaller economies and closed economies i mean how cool is that that bitcoin leads you uh, back to the light bulb thing you know the light that it, it spreads, it, it, you know, it takes you into history, but it also decodes it for you. And sh surely when you got into Bitcoin, you could look at your whole life, like your original employment. I mean, you felt at the time that, um, that it was this absolute bollocks and then you got out of it. Okay. But now you know why, you know, you were right now because of Bitcoin. Don't you? <laughs> I like and to think you, I am. Oh, you are bro. And, and that Russian friend, Okay, that came up in a bent where uh, he, he said, man, this is so much. I left Russia to get away from this. And this country is just barreling towards everything I just left. Yeah. My yeah. my old boss. Is it, he, was he your forget. boss? Yeah. Yeah, Dimitri. He was, uh, he could have been a Russian cosmonaut. That's how wow. smart he is. Wow. Wow. And uh, he, he decided to immigrate to the U.S. Yeah, I told this story many times, but I love telling it. And. He never forgets the first time he walked through an American airport. He cried, like just being able to walk freely without feeling like he was surveilled or being watched. That didn't last and, too long, did it? No. Uh, after nine eleven, that's that was the uh, crossing of the Rubicon in his mind, where he shook Marty. Pay attention. This is turning into the Soviet Russia I ran away from. It's like, oh my god. That was like my... twenty. I was like reaction. 22 at the time, 21 at the time. And that was like so, what, very eight impactful. years ago. What are you, 29 now? 29, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what's the thing? Uh, can I tell you my reaction to 9 11 as it happened? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all exposed anyway, aren't we? Um, <laughs> so, it's happening. It's happening on the TV, yeah. And I'm pacing up and down. I was saying, they did this in, on purpose. They needed this. They needed this. You know what? This is making me question Pearl Harbor now. You know, um, I, I said it from the get-go. Before the, the before they even had film of a, a plane going into a tower, 
So one tower had been hit. And, and then I saw that and I just said, they so needed this, you know, gosh, you know, how convenient. And, and now they've got the made work of, uh, what's it called? You know, the, the whole um, Homeland Security. Yeah, fiasco. if you listen to the Whitney Webb episode. They... Oh, God, don't, you're Whitney. Every time I listen to you and Whitney Webb, right, I go into paranoia. I, I just, I just like, you, you know, every time. Remember that one when she was predicting what was going to happen with the elections a few months before, right? And yeah, it seems to be playing out it's, a little bit. It's playing out. Maybe, more. maybe not the, maybe not the violence on election day. That was that prediction didn't turn out to be true. But I think the, the uh, un, uh, the, uh, I mean, it's still people are still confused about Possibly who's actually going to be looking president. for a war to start so you can declare war you know that special um protocol where oh we're at war so i have to stay in power and this and that and the other and i wouldn't put i wouldn't put it past him i wouldn't put anything past him no it's uh yeah i, I mean again that was something i was highly skeptical about in my my late teenage years too particularly building seven people don't know about building seven yeah there you go that's what it was about yeah right we know we don't have to dive too deep into it no we don't we're not here for that yeah but but we need let's get back yeah yeah go on let's go back to what i was gonna say let's get back to sphinx app like how like we you talked about like record labels like being the central banks like now we have the the means of producing distributing the content distributed but the means of monetization aren't really distributed until bitcoin comes along yeah and now you can stream sats to people like as a as an artist putting out records having to deal with the whole royalty system is how also, revolution also, how revolutionary is this um I, I i think it's kind of about time and it was almost obvious it's also the quickest way to spin up a lightning wallet that will work. Yeah. Right. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a, a seed and it's happened to Sphinx chat for the time being. And we need to jump on that and, and make that happen more. But you can spin up these, these, these apps. Like, I don't know if we need an app for every person. We need a few we just need i mean sphinx is the place to to go right now there's there's nothing else like it is there and um the potential of it it's like the potential of bitcoin i mean the best things that are ever going to happen on bitcoin is shit you and me have never even thought of and have yet to talk about you know that is what's so amazing about bitcoin is it solves the monetary problems it solves the centralization problem okay it's programmable money um so it it, it solves coercion it solves potential violence and the need for wars. Uh, it solves corruption. Um, and it, it's the same thing. A little thing like, uh, you know, you've got the podfather, you've got Adam saying, yeah, you know, uh, just make a phone call to this guy and we did this and we did that. You know, I mean, I guess there's like four or six guys sitting in a room trying to make that app better all the time now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep getting upgrades on it. Yeah, I spoke with Paul the other day. He's actually going to come on the podcast soon. Yeah, um, we're going to meet in person when he's when he's in the New York area to talk about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had lo loads of things to ask you about that. Uh, it it was like uh, this thing with um, 
Bitcoin RGBs, yeah. Mm. Is that like is that shit coins on Lightning? You know, and then Sphinx chat came out about not long or in the same area of time, and it was like, wow, who needs RGBs when you can do this? Just do it with Bitcoin, do it with Lightning. You know, just, why look any further than yeah. making Lightning bulletproof? Why you don't need? I mean, I could have a Bitcoin granny token. Okay, what am I going to cash it out to? Fucking Sats, you know. So just use Sats. Yeah. Right. Like, why even? Like, I can't speak to RGB particularly because I'm not well versed. Okay. We'd have to talk to it. We'd have to talk uh, to Giacomo or somebody else who's been working on it. But the way I understand it, RGB is just a third layer. So you have yeah. a protocol layer. You have Lightning, and then RGB would be on top of Lightning. Um, the way I understand it, it allows you to do more unique and complex smart contracting stuff. But um, again, I'm not as well versed as I should be. I don't feel comfortable like talking about it with any authority. Okay, yeah, that makes uh, sense. I, I can't. I only. I don't even know what RGB stands for. Okay, uh, I just got the notion that it was a way of doing tokenomy, but on it's like, Bitcoin. Well, it's, Bitcoin. So I don't know if you are privy to uh, a protocol that was called Counterparty that was built on top of Bitcoin, and it, it was a color coin protocol that allowed you to use Bitcoin, you would basically burn Bitcoin, and then create these new tokens that would be denominated in Bitcoin. Um, and I think RGB is just a, a loop back to what the counterparty team was just trying to do, but actually doing it uh, at a, in a way that makes more sense from an engineering and architecture perspective where you're not, you're abstracted two layers above the protocol layer uh, as opposed to counterparty, which I believe was merge mind or something like that. Um, so again, I'm sure you heard me talk about order of operations and things needing to happen before certain things can happen. Um, that people want to make and I think uh, RGB is something that is bringing to market something that's been tested in the past but probably wasn't done correct correctly from an architecture and design perspective but this is still in almost in proof of concept stage isn't it it's, it, it's yeah it's test net dare I say it um, <laughs> yeah no, again I haven't I haven't messed around with it yet so yeah it's too much uh, to do too much to do yeah and that's what they're doing I mean you know you're not here to develop RGB coin you know um, or RG, whatever whatever it would be uh, yeah I, I mean I've, I've got vague notions about the, um, the the thing you just described because you hear so much stuff you know and it's just not possible to to follow all of it um, no. let me Which is you. a good thing, right? That's pretty crazy. Yeah, no, point. it's great. There's so much stuff out there, you know, and, and right. some, of it, some of it does a U-turn and comes back. Um, okay, so Great American Mining, yeah? Mm -hmm. I always wanted to put an E, so it's G-A-M. If it had an E, well, what can we, it would be great, yeah? Great American Mining, right? Is it still doable to mine as an individual with four S9s, or what would they be now, S17s? Um, or, people are still people are still using S nines. They're still chugging. Were you saying that your uh, some relative of yours has got four S nines chugging away in a room somewhere, and uh, he he's uh, he, he's doing blocks or he's... He, we don't like to, to talk about uh, my uncle's mining operation, but uh, yeah, he's got a little mining operation going somewhere on the grid. Uh, he's GPU mining though, but you can. Um, you can still mine with S9s. The thing is, 
there's trade-offs, right? Like it depends on what your electricity cost is. Like, yeah, absolutely. You... God, yeah. So to like, uh, I think, and I was actually looking for his guide on, uh, I was looking for his account to find his guide, his account on Twitter so that I could link to his guide a few weeks ago, but I couldn't find his account. I'm pretty sure the name of this Twitter account was like diverter, no KYC or something like that. He did a, how to mine at home guide. Yeah. And basically if you, if you want to mine at home and your cost of power production is, you're probably paying like seven to 10 cents per kilowatt hour for the energy in your house. Like, so if you want to plug an S nine into a socket in your house, you're probably going to lose money on that. The only benefit would be that you're getting KYC free yeah. coins essentially. Um, yeah, but I did it. Mining is much more of a professional and capital intensive game than it was early on in Bitcoin's life, but that, I don't think that means that uh, it's decentral. It will, um, it would perturb the decentralization of the mining industry. And I think what we're doing at Great American Mining specifically actually highlights the, that fact, in the sense that we are going to oil fields owned by different entities, whether it be a, a family. A lot of families in Texas own land with oil um, rigs on them that they can take advantage of, so they could. It, you can mine Bitcoin on, on those um, properties because it has very low cost of power production if they have waste gas. Um, so you're going to have like big, a bunch of big companies in different jurisdictions in different states with different regulations mining Bitcoin. Yes, it'll be more capital intensive. It'll be harder for the average Joe to get access to mining at as cheap a rate as these guys. But I believe it'll still be sufficiently distributed due to the fact that it's distributed amongst uh, a range of individuals, whether it be the mom and pop shop with an oil rig on their property or a BP uh, with a multinational corporation. So you, um, you really still have that? You still have like these mom and pop operations in Texas where they've got a field and they've got uh, methane or, uh, or they're, they're drilling and they've literally got four drills or one or... Yes, that's oh, still exists. is a mum and pop operation a hell of a lot bigger than that. No, I think I mean the way I understand it, it's, it still exists. And so what they do is they allow the oil producers to come in and actually extract the oil and send it to market through a pipeline. And the landowner, also known as a mineral rights owner, just gets a royalty on the uh, the revenue of the um, of the oil. And, and or gas that is uh, yeah. pulled out pulled out of their property and sent to market usually 12 and a half percent but those mineral rights owners the landowners they can also uh, take that gas in kind where they say all right instead of giving me 12 and a half percent of your revenue i want to get 12 and a half percent of the gas that you have going to the pipeline i want you to serve it to me and in that situation they could say hey give me the gas in kind and i'm going to pipe it to this generator that is going to run some Bitcoin miners. I mean, uh, they don't even have to say that. They can just say, give me the gas in kind. Isn't that, who cares what you're going to do with it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have to tell them what they're doing with it. They can just say, give it to me in kind. So here's the thing, Marty. Um, this is, there's, a, there's reasons I'm asking you this. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you an idea. Like mesh nets, okay, and um, decentralized energy. And I'm really big on um, renewable solar energy. And um, a, a few questions I want to ask you. It's going to lead to. It's going to lead to. What is your day job at Great American Mine? Uh, so I'm the director of business development, where 
That sounds uh, like so a really heavy title. That sounds like a job <laughs> I could never apply for, you know. No, I mean, yeah, it's actually a good opportunity to clear up what I do at Great American Mining for the Freaks and like how my my role. Like I'm, I feel very fortunate to be a part of this team. Um, I view myself as like a small part of the team. Like all the brain trust, Todd, the CEO, uh, Austin, Reed, Isaac, our engineers, Tom, who's our boots on the ground uh, in the oil fields. What they he's do. a dude that knows all about this business, so he's on the ground and. Kind of cool. Well, he's yeah. developing relationships with the oil and gas producers okay. to, to pitch what we're doing. And then I'm on the other side with my finance background and uh, connections in, in industry, trying to help us uh, raise money and capitalize so that we can expand our operations. So I focus Can I unpack, mainly... unpack that a little bit? Um, this original job you had with your financial background, um, how the fuck did you get into that when you were 19? Mm -hmm. how, how were you in the position to what did you do because i'm not sure uh, yeah. that if the freaks know this really you allude to it a lot you talk about it a lot okay um, but i think it'd be really interesting to know what happened you, you you finished school or college or whatever you call it there and then got this job where well i got it while i was still in school and typical um I don't want to say privileged white boy, but I, I leveraged a connection, family yeah. connection. You knew somebody to, and they got you the job, yeah? Yeah, yeah I got a job, an internship, started as an internship. Um, I actually started on the sales side where, so we, it was a managed futures fund. For those of you freaks that don't know what a managed futures fund, it's a specific type of investment fund that only trades particular markets, mainly uh, uh, futures markets, commodities, metals, uh, grains, uh, currencies, indice futures, treasury futures. The futures uh, meaning that we do the deal now based on in the future, this is going to happen. The potential of this thing in the future is likely to be plus, you know, net positive. Hence, these are the investments we're making now for the future. Yeah. Yeah. The futures markets predominantly, specifically where I was working in Chicago, serve like the um, I believe the earliest futures markets were revolved around farming. So farmers who wanted to de-risk their operations would um, would basically sell some of their future production up front to lock in some capital, so okay. that if some, something happened, they would they would be okay and be able to survive. And um, the market maker on the other side was taking on risk that that producer would be, produce their crop and be able to sell it at X price. Um, and basically the futures trader tries to arb the current price versus the potential future price. Um, and invariably and so that, that works invariably. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes everything very efficient. Um, capital efficient again, from the farmer's perspective, giving them, uh, a bit of certainty and cushion so that they don't go bust if, um, it if they have like one, one bad year or something like that, okay. which would happen consistently before futures markets really developed so it's a, it's, a, it's a vehicle futures products particularly to de-risk um for for certain actors in the economy okay and, and so that was your introduction to the big wide world outside of school um that's how you entered the world so to speak um and, and did that give you the kind of understanding you have of how money works or what money is that you have now yeah it certainly helped because again part of that 
experience. And again, so I should mention, like we we did not trade or well, there was a trading desk in the fund that I worked for, but the um, part of the business that I focused on was um, so as an analyst, we we indexed a bunch of other hedge funds. So it's it's a yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. So commodities trading advisors, they are uh, basically the big boys that trade these futures markets and. So we built products that index these commodity trading advisors into another product. So it's like very layered. Um, and basically the, the uh, thesis behind that was that you would diversify between these CTAs, uh, hoping to get a better risk adjusted turn. And just, return, for, just for the sake of the freaks out there that don't know what the fuck a CTA is, what is a CTA? Commodity trading advisor. Okay. Okay. So it's, they uh they have the ability to trade very specific markets again mainly futures markets um, okay. um at at scale and yeah no and so part of that part of those markets that are trade are currency markets and i had to write the commentaries for the fund and basically explain why the markets did what they did or attempt to explain and you never really know at the end of the day yet to sort of tie in and news events with the, the price movements of these markets. And so a lot of the news events in the currency market, basically all the news events in the currency markets are uh, central bank announcements. Um, not all, so but gives most, you they have the most insight into what the yeah. fuck's going on now. Yeah. And no, again, I think another big benefit of working there is the fact that we did index all these CTAs. So I, I talked to dozens of, different traders from around the world all over the world and as the like junior analyst i actually had to interact with usually um the chief the chief investment officer of the funds that we would potentially invest in and did invest in and so that's like literally the, the head honcho uh directing the strategy of the investment strategy of the cta and so it's like typically like one of the smartest people at these these commodity trading advisors and so I was just able at a very young age to pick the brain of the brains of some very extremely smart people who had a very strong grasp on macroeconomics and the intricacies of the global economy. Um, so you, you and, could say because of this, you, you've had a, a, a quite a high awareness of uh, macroeconomics ever since you, you left school, um, ever since you were in school or, or what is it though? University, college, college, school? Yeah, university. I went to DePaul University in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when did you leave school? 2013. So seven years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um, yeah, this whole thing with uh, mesh networks, um, maybe your understanding of them, uh, you know, you, you, I can't remember his name. <laughs> you had him on the show. Richard Myers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think... I think they're imperative. Oh, and Randy Brito from Locomesh. Locomesh, uh, that was the one that got me going because um, there seemed to be a, I'm into this whole thing with um, decentralized storage, uh, solar walls in trucks that take the energy to the miners, okay? Um, that they could talk to Great American Mining, drive these trucks with these layered walls in these big, container trucks okay and fill them up with uh, you know it can be their option like you're saying they can keep the gas and they can do what they like with it okay so they can burn this gas right through um a compression generator and and start filling up these solar walls 
of energy and then you can mine anywhere because you've got this decentralized mobile energy thing this is just very quickly this is just brushing over it in broad in broad strokes and i think there could be a fantastic business there but it also decentralizes things more and uh, and just moves things around more uh, and also with with the mesh net thing one of the biggest problems seemed to be power and i was thinking well man you know if you've got a small device that um just wants to communicate a mile to get to someone else to communicate that to get it onto the net if you had yourself a solar panel about as big as an album cover okay uh, you can solve that problem in, in, a, in a lot a lot of the areas uh, or, or you, well in any area you know because uh what's probably the most important thing to anybody in life it, it's money okay no money no life yeah so um you know you need to transmit these uh, transactions through a mesh network uh, maybe the idea would be to have some kind of even if it was a micro renewable um setup so again it could be open source you can buy the panels and you can rig it up how you want there might be an optimal way of doing it um i just wonder what your thoughts might be on on something along the lines of uh, great american mining filling up um say you've got a guy like me he's got a company and you, you know i manage i start off with 20 uh articulated trailers with like uh five solar walls and all you got to do is plug the uh compressor generator into it to, to fill them up uh, i have no idea what the economics of this is i you know uh, i'm sure there'd be a spread where uh it would be profitable at worst you'd be uh um this whole thing about um the footprint you make on on the grid by mm -hmm. by mining you, you know there, there's that you're kyc because they know that you're mining because of the amount of um it would just take that all off the grid or you know any anything you're drawing any massive footprint would be taken well, off the grid because it would be kind of put into you know um <laughs> a power wallet well, yeah well <laughs> So you don't even need to do that right now. We mine off the grid. We're not on the grid. We we basically take we, and go and consume energy that can't make it to the grid. So it's just stranded there. So that's, yeah, no, I uh, can dig that. So if you, uh, so what is it? Is it crazy to take the energy that can't make it to the grid, put it somewhere that you can take the energy somewhere else? So uh, you can have this uh, mining, this whole mining thing, more decentralized. Or am I missing something there? Yeah, that's the that's the whole reason we show up is because they can't move it. So you just be creating, you just, it does like, I think, I don't think you need to go that far. Right. I mean, it is the already... first principle would be if there's excess energy, okay, we can fill up power walls. Okay. What do you mean by power wall? Like a, oh, okay. like a roving trip, like, like a, a dirty, great. Imagine this is a wall fitting up a, uh, filling up the back of a trailer if you had five of those layers like a dirty great power wall there um i'd have to look into what it could deliver in terms of energy uh, you know what what the rigs would need to pull and how long that could last and so on i i, I don't know i'm just buzzed up about this whole idea of um being able to just use solar or the, the great american mining way um to, to just have loads of energy ready to drive somewhere else uh, this thing about being able to take the energy to the rigs uh, and yeah. at the same time lose the footprint. 
Yeah, that's um. Not, you know, it's just something I'm toying with at the moment. Yeah, I don't think so. That's doesn't add up. That's huh? what. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the problem we're solving is that doesn't exist, and it doesn't it doesn't make economical sense to do that. So that's why we have to show up. Um, okay. Is because that that that's like the problem. Like it's economically doesn't make sense to move that energy. It's you're going to lose money at the end of the day. So, but with that being said, I think what we're doing actually helps distribute mining and power consumption of I miners. I love what you're, that you're doing. The fact that this energy would be wasted anyway. Yeah, and then like it's geographically dispersed. Like even in a single oil field, there's thousands, sometimes thousands of wells, hundreds of wells. And we're just dropping off 20-foot shipping containers or 40-foot shipping containers, depending on how much gas we need to consume. Um, but even on one property, you're pretty distributed geographically. Like you'd have to, you have to send many drone bombs to to destroy uh, a mining operation on one property, let alone multiple properties. All over the place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just really interested in. Um in this whole great American mining thing, because uh, it just makes so much sense. And, and the whole thing of uh, refining the energy and then being able to store it on the blockchain, you know? Well, that's, so that's a misnomer. A lot of people like to say Bitcoin is a battery, where it's not. You consume the energy. So you're not storing the energy. You're consuming it on site, like you're, you're burning no, you're, the you're, Yeah, but uh, what you're storing is the proof that the energy was uh, consumed. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. it's you're getting liquid you're turning that energy uh that would otherwise be wasted stranded or underutilized and you're storing it in bitcoin if not storing the energy in the sense that you could expend it or later but you're storing its economic value you're storing the fact that the energy was used and and, and the computations were done mm -hmm. um in sets yeah yeah so yeah like yeah, it's a misnomer that it's like you can't plug into the blockchain. But what the blockchain does is plug into the planet. Right. That, that's what that's what makes Bitcoin real. You know, when you get the likes of Peter Schiff or people along those lines, they say, "Well, it's not real." You know, you know, um, it, it's just a software program. It's just a, it's a fucking video game. It's like, no, it's not a video game at all. It, it, it's not. It, it takes real energy. It's real. And then when you can, and then when you compare it to their toy, which is gold. And the environmental imp it's funny because like gold does take a lot of energy to get out of the ground too, but it's mm -hmm. an extremely destructive process mm -hmm. where you're destroying the land. Uh, mercury is involved. So the people that are actually dealing with the mercury a lot of the times, especially in Africa are not being treated well. They're being poisoned um, all to get the sound monetary good in the form of gold. Whereas Bitcoin is much cleaner in that regard. You don't have to dig any holes. You don't have to, involve mercury at all but you um, do have to spend the energy um, you do yeah. but you're yeah you're just i'm not saying that energy. like it's a bad thing yeah. some people oh it wastes energy isn't it are you kidding me you want to see energy waste you know yeah well that um, that exactly it's, it's funny because it's counterintuitive it does the exact opposite of waste energy <laughs> it makes us more efficient with our energy yeah i'd love to be is... wasting energy right now creating bitcoin you know um, right yeah it's not a way like how do you waste energy exactly well yeah there are ways of, i mean you can get better deals for energy and what have you but it's such positive use of energy it's it hurts you know um and you can't explain that to uh, a no coiner even an interested no coiner it would take 
uh, somebody just getting into Bitcoin with the best will in the world, about 18 months to really get their head around how that works and how that is the, uh, the tether yeah. to reality, so, to the planet, to um, yeah. Yeah, the physical world. So outside of trying to raise money for GAM is my role as director of business development. That's another thing I do is try to shape the narrative of what we're doing and be the PR arm of um, what we're doing and, and try to help change people's minds about Bitcoin mi mining as a destructive activity that's going to boil the oceans. And uh, so that's another part of my, that's my role. That's the crazy shit you're always going to get, aren't you? Like people that don't know what's going on talk about 5G and oh, it's this and it's that and it's going to fry your brains. And just like they talked about 1G and 2G, you know, when cellular first came out, oh, it's going to give you a tune. You know, you're always going to have the naysayers. Um, the reality is pretty fucking awesome. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing. And like bringing it back to mesh networks. Yeah. Not necessarily mesh networks, but that's actually one thing where um, we talk about at Great American Mining, especially since we're in these remote areas, is, is utilizing like the Blockstream satellite and, oh, yeah. um, and stuff like that. Uh, and Starlink from uh, SpaceX being able to, to get internet in these remote areas from these satellites that, that SpaceX is putting in the atmosphere or uh, in orbit excuse me yeah uh the uh yeah so we there's many ways that you can get innovative when you're gas mining in in remote areas whether it be just consuming gas that would otherwise be wasted or actually contributing to the decentralization of the network via uh, a different p2p communications layer in the form of satellites instead of isp I think that that's essential. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest weaknesses of, you could say Bitcoin uh, or communication at the moment is the fact that ISPs and uh, the fact that the internet is centralized at the moment, which brings me back to the node thing. Um, with um, like uh, IPFS, the idea of IPFS or the idea of uh, what Start9 are doing with these nodes where you're kind of creating, you know, your own internet, not World Wide Web, okay, uh, a different layer. And, uh, you know, like, um, you, it's like having this giant cathedral and you want to make it into loads of little apartments that are all self-sufficient and you sort of have to build it within the cathedral while the cathedral is still running. And the cathedral can still be a cathedral and they can still you know talk about whatever they talk about okay and on, in the meantime you can be you know uh, their whole thing is like one brick at a time you know when i got my embassy i was really like yeah I, I you know i'm part of a potential decentralized internet because i i just think one of the biggest weaknesses of this whole fucking thing they can't turn the internet off because they use it for too many things but I love the idea that if they did turn it off, and that's why we, that's why we love uh, the satellite net, is that uh, the blockchain is still distributed. Um, maybe a great product would be uh, some kind of really, some kind of open source uh, hardware rig that you can just spin up so you can always talk to the satnet and, and not have to worry about ISP. Right. I just need to get setting up those satellite nodes is hard because you need a satellite that's very um specifically set up and 
pointed in a very specific direction. And if you're not, it's very hard for the layman. Um, I, I'm sure the people at Blockstream would push back against this, but um, anyway, I, that's I, actually it is goal, hard goal for of mine. I haven't been able to figure it out. No, yeah, but that's a goal of mine. Like, I hope to get a farm at some point in the next few years, and that's how I want my node to communicate is via satellite. I'm going to figure out how to get a satellite node up and running. And my yeah, so that's something to do in 21, isn't it? Is, is to, like, uh, if we were talking this time next year, just saying which one of us did it, uh, you know, how far have we gotten in uh, a very first principle simplified way of um, making that happen? And, you know... I, I find I'm finding it really difficult to to find information of what to hook up to and 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 it's also really expensive and to me the expense doesn't matter because once you're hooked up so many people can go through it so it it should be doable it should be economically viable yeah you just um, got to get past that sunk cost of actually doing it right yeah yeah so what is it just a question of if we had the money, we could do it. Yeah. For me, it's um, a combination of that. And just like, I, I'm not, my roots aren't settled yeah. on a property that I plan on st staying on for more than a decade yeah, yet. Um, so I'm just me personally, just waiting to get to that point in my life where I'm settled in a house that I'm going to raise my children in. So see, that's um, weird. When you were making that point with me, yeah, you said, well, Keith, you know, you being 63 and what have you, um, you know, it, it's harder to take on a low time preference in your 60s because there's certain things you just can't plan for. So it's a question of just being aware of what you're involved in and do you want to be part of that or not? Okay, uh, you know, the instant gratifications is we'd have this thing built tomorrow and I'd be on Zoom to you tomorrow and say, hey, man, uh, let, you know, let's go online together here. But, you know, but that's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, my outlook has to be, uh, you know, completely different to yours in terms of um, trying to have low low preference plans and, and deploy those plans. You know, like if I want, I, I've got to move quickly. If I want to find some land in Austin or something, mm -hmm. you know, I have to move quickly. I don't have the luxury of like, okay, well, I've got time to, I mean, I will have to weigh up options and what have you. Um, yeah, well, looking at all sorts of things, you know. But yeah. I think... I think it's, I mean, if you're comfortable talking about it, your experience this year, I know you've been through some personal tumult this year. You alluded to it a little bit earlier in the conversation, but if you're comfortable talking about your experience. I don't mind. It's your health. So yeah. Well, you, you developed a form of cancer this year and had to go through Yeah, I, I was, uh, um, I was waiting. I wasn't well anyway, so I wasn't optimal. I wasn't feeling good. And I was waiting for, um, a, go a gallbladder operation and they went to the, I went there to have a final scan and you know my doctor called me and said okay look we found something else um, we want you to go and have an MRI and this and that and I was diagnosed with uh, cancer of the liver quite serious um, not I mean serious enough to jump on immediately and that was in um, April May of this year and now I'm 10 weeks post-op I got a big L-shaped scar on my on my abdomen. Yeah, forty-seven stitches, scar, and what have you. And yeah, you know, I'm still hurting, but I'm coming out of it. And I'm hoping to have something akin to a superpower because I, I haven't felt normal for a number of years now. I haven't felt I haven't been well for a number of years. And maybe uh, this final diagnosis uh, 
played into that. Um, but the way I had to view things was, um, you, you know, I, I had to view like I'm coming through this. And if I'm not coming through this, I'm not right. But if I am, you know, I want to have read the sovereign individual and I want to talk to Marty Dent and I, I want to carry on spinning up notes while I can. And, uh, you know, now I feel better. I'm, you know, I'm going to finally do this fucking raspberry blitz or my note or both. And, uh, yeah. What, what, what's the question, man? I mean, it just has it changed your perspective and like has it made you value your time on this planet more or is uh I, I, I really believe I was there anyway I felt a little bit gypped that I wasn't well it, it, it's taught me patience and what have you but really um I'm a big valuer of time on the planet and without any religion whatsoever being thankful and and how amazing life is so I, I had that. Um, so where it's put me is hopefully I'll have more strength to um, do something cool with that time. You know, yeah. so, um, you know, hopefully I'm better. And uh, like I said, before we hit record, you're looking fucking great right now. Yeah. Well, you want to see me on a good thing, man. You know, um, yeah. Uh, I reckon I'll be back in the game about the end of January, February. Really, these things, all ta everything takes a year. <laughs> yeah, everything takes a year. So they say it's three months, it's six months, and then double that. So uh, this time next year, who knows what we'll be talking about and how I'll be looking, you know. Um, yeah, do you have a message out there for any of the freaks who may be taking their life for granted right now, or their time for granted, more importantly? <laughs> Money is time. <laughs> um, time's the most precious thing you've got. Okay, but you can go over the top if you get too hyper aware of that. You start trying to do everything and get nothing done. So uh, I can only recommend uh, trying to understand what a low time preference is and uh, disciplining yourself towards that. And that's easier said than done. And the more you do it, it's, it's just like fine. When you, it's like one of those things, like Bitcoin or other things. When once you've seen something, once you've been red pilled, you can't unsee it. And it, it's the same thing with low time preference. Once you start seeing the benefits of it and how it feels, you can't not do it unless you're a real a hole. You know, you're gonna you're gonna lean towards it more, and you're gonna find more examples behind you in history of how that works a hell of a lot better for you than uh, all this uh, instant gratification, valueless fucking money that um, you want to spend it before you own it because you, because it's, it's worthless shit, right? Or best thing you can do is stack sats. Stay humble and stack sats, man. <laughs> spend your time wisely, yeah. Right. Uh, I guess um, we're over two hours Yeah, here. I know, man. We better knock it on the head. I'm, I'm sure we're good for another one then. Um, so yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure. I'm not done yet. What do you think? I want to get your your thoughts on uh, since you've a stalwart in the music industry. What do you think of today's music industry, particularly like the type of music that's coming out? I see what's going on. You're, you're trying to get me going. You're trying to get me to go on a rant, aren't you? You know. Um, listen, yeah. I don't know who Taylor Swift is, and I don't care. Okay, but I know one thing. Like uh, whether it's McDonald's, KFC, or the fucking music. Uh, aside from maybe three tunes um, that has come out since, I don't know, and I don't know when, like a long time ago, the, the music's diluted, 
it's sanitized, watered down and ruined. And then they sell it back to us and they ain't selling it back to me. Um, yeah, I, I, most of the music I listen to always ends up being about 50 years old, apart from the old tune. And it's not like I'm an old fart and I'm not open to it. I make music all the time. And uh, I remember experiencing music when it was such a different animal. It was such a different thing to be involved in. It, it was so like Bitcoin. Um, it was, well, does Bitcoin fix this? Bitcoin fixes everything, Marty, you know that. You know, and I think Bitcoin really helps. Uh, well, my original idea with Pill, you know, we're not a band, we're a company, but a lot of people are onto that now with their own websites and brands and what have you. But Bitcoin takes it further because uh, you don't have to suck anyone's cock. It's that simple. <laughs> well, that's what it amounts like to, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, all the music this day is about sucking people's cocks. The biggest song right now, Wet Ass Pussy, uh, this year. I've only listened to it once. Well, I've got to say, I missed about... that one. Okay, I don't watch a lot of uh, normal TV, and uh, the radio often makes me angry. So I, you know, uh, but there's a a lot of music that I think I don't think it is written by AI. I think AI could do a better job. You know, um, yeah, I'm not too uh, impressed, and I'm not too impressed with what a lot of the bands did. You know, these virtue signaling fucking wankers that were originally punk rockers. Uh, I'll name one, my favorite virtue signal is fucking Bono, okay? <laughs> but, you know, um, right. it's okay, Bono, yeah. because you're not the only one. And I know you listen to Tales from the Crypt, or you will be listening to it, and you'll get all your virtue signaling friends to listen to, and you're going to go through a transformation beyond religion, man. Yeah, no, I haven't got a lot of time for it. I haven't got a lot of time for these fucking fiat values and, like, suntan like having your suntan sprayed on and like all this ditzy TikTok bollocks. I've got no time for it whatsoever. And uh, I think Facebook is evil corp. You know, um, my idea of Facebook is privately texting a friend and sending them a picture, you know, not being in a global fishbowl that you, yeah. that you are the product, you know? Um, so yeah, I haven't got, um, I, I, I get how we all had to try it out. Okay, and maybe MySpace was a better idea, you know, and MySpace really annoyed me when it came out. I was like, oh, yeah, we're all going to have MySpace. Oh, have you seen MySpace? Like, Fuck off. I hate it. But I'm an OG punk. I hate everything. You know, it's like uh, I, I hate convention. Okay, but I don't like things that are unfair. Hence, I hate the monetary system and I hate the way we've all been indoctrinated. And uh, it's a real con job because... You, you know, what are we not taught at school? How money works, what money is. Yeah. How to balance a budget. Dude, don't even mention the word balance sheet to me because it still sends shivers through my spine. I'm hoping through knowing you, because it ain't going to happen through Peter McCormack. It, it, it probably will. Um, but, you know, he can hand, white glove, hand hold me through how to really create a balance sheet because I've always done it from the seat of my pants. My dad, a sort of Russian Jewish guy, had his own business in the rag trade. And, you know, he didn't do any, he did it all in his head. And I learned how to do that. And that's how I do shit. And I'm still here. Um, I've had moments. Uh, and I'm looking forward to more, you know. Pierre's wife, Morgan Rochard, her uh, personal finance book. I actually just got it, started fingering through it um, earlier this week. That uh, That has a good, 
section on how to follow your finances and track your balance sheet. Yeah, I've got a lot of behavior I have to unlearn. And, and I've got a lot of fear that's just nonsense. I've got to brush out of the way. Yeah, you know. Uh, but I think a lot of it is, is because I was brought up with unfair money. Yeah. You, you know, so um, I, I, I just thought, I just naturally knew I was being conned. I just didn't know how. Now I, did, now I know exactly how. You know, right. I never thought I'd have the answers that I had. I, I, I thought I might find out things and I might educate myself, but I never thought I'd ever know how money worked or where it came from. And, it, and then Bitcoin came along. And then Bitcoin came along. Well, should we end it there? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I do too. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And until next time, yeah? Yeah, definitely. And uh, what, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just like video myself doing this thing? or I'll hit you up in private and maybe talk about how the fuck I'm going to go about maybe possibly doing some stuff for the TFTC. What are they called? Uh, example. The guides. Guides. Yeah. 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 yeah, we can figure something out. Yeah, we'll we'll sidebar it, email, whatever. Yeah. Sphinx chat. Yeah, Sphinx chat me now. I, um I know you're really fucking busy. I don't know. Have you have you done the bent today? Is that the next no, job? No, I gotta go I gotta go right that. Yeah. See? Busy, so. busy boy. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thanks. Then I got, I got Thanks for everything you do. You know, TSTC, Marty Bent, you know, I don't think Bitcoin space would be the Bitcoin space without you guys. You don't realize how important you are. Oh, stop it. I oh, it really? Be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, other people need to hear this. You don't need to hear this. Uh, well, Keith, thank you for your time. Thank you for keeping the punk alive, too. Again, as somebody who loves punk rock, um, somebody that's embodied the ethos since it started to today, it's hard to find. A lot of people sell out. It doesn't seem like you have. Yeah, no, 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 but I might set out for Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Could be worth it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, I bro. hope you enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Tiki. Tiki. Peace and love, freaks. Tiki. All right.